0: in verse one of revelation one we
1: read the revelation from jesus christ so this revelation was given to john to give to the seven churches in southern turkey often called asia in in the, in the new testament and through them to all who believe therefore this is a revelation from jesus christ to you and to me and jesus expects us to understand and benefit from what's been said and what's revealed to us Now, chapters one to three of Revelation are often considered to be the easier part of Revelation to deal with because it describes things that are not too difficult to comprehend. Much of the language and terminology has parallels in today's society. And although it's Jesus's message to us, it's not written in the same style as other parts of the New Testament. So we must study what it says very carefully and with prayer. The book is complex, so a, a cursory reading can miss many of the points that it contains. Now Revelation uses many images and symbols to paint pictures a bit like pictures on the ceilings you see in some stately homes. So we're going to have our first slide,
0: which is a picture of a ceiling in a in a stately home. Now, This is only one of many, but they're typically wild
1: and magnificent paintings of people, uh, often scantily clad, but not in this case, and a scattering of mythical creatures and symbols. When you go to a stately house and you listen to the tour guide, you look at the image, they explain more. Like, for example, the two people in the centre are the Lord and Lady of the Manor, made out to be king and queen, or maybe it's king and queen made out to be God and is or whatever then the guide describes the people and characters in the picture one is perhaps the artist who's painted a selfie tucked in the corner the painting has hidden meanings that can only be fully understood when you're told who the characters are and what the symbols and objects mean revelation is a bit like the picture in a stately home it needs opening up for us to understand and what we read about is not necessarily immediately obvious you're looking at it in two two levels so some things in revelation often associated with numbers have to be delved into as they usually stand for something more than being just a number now also revolution revelation uh, uses these images and phrases as a type of shorthand now I was trying to think how I could describe this, but it's a bit like when you go into a restaurant for a meal and the waiter brings you the menu. What will you have? Well, how can you decide what what the dishes are without bringing with you the whole Encyclopedia Britannica? But you've got a short menu. It's not an exhaustive statement. For example, you choose carrot and coriander soup, followed by cheese and tomato flan with a salad nice vegetarian meal but you don't get an extensive list of ingredients how to prepare it how to cook it what's exactly in it and in what quantities there's lots of information missing that you might be interested in particularly if you have a food allergy but somehow you're expected to know the details that are missing and you're only given the key phrases and the key words the images and numbers in Revelation are a bit like that. They mean more than what they necessarily appear to be at first glance. So we're now going to hear some of Revelation, Revelation chapter one, and the first eight
0: verses.
2: This book is the record of the events that Jesus Christ revealed. God gave him this revelation in order to show his servants what must happen very soon. Christ made these things known to his servant John by sending his angel to him. And John has told all that he has seen. This is his report concerning the message from God and the truth revealed by Jesus Christ. Happy is the one who reads this book. And happy are those who listen to the words of this prophetic message and obey what is written in this book. For the time is near when all these things will happen. Greetings to the seven churches. From John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace be yours from God, who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits in front of his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first to be raised from death, and who is the ruler of the kings of the world. He loves us, and by his sacrificial death he has freed us from our sins and made us a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To Jesus Christ be the glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming on the clouds. Everyone will see him, including those who pierced him. All peoples on earth will mourn over him. So shall it be. I am the first and the last, says the Lord God Almighty, who is, who was, and who is to come. Thanks be to God.
0: The problem with some of these bits of
1: Revelation is there's just so much packed in. And I mentioned before about numbers. So I just want to pick one item and it's seven churches. So this letter, the letters that John was to write from this revelation by Jesus, was written to seven churches. And here they are on a map of southern Turkey or Asia is often referred to in the New Testament. And these are named in chapters two and three. See, there it is. It's easy. It's a book written to seven churches in southern Turkey. What could be simpler? But look deeper. We have to slow down. In the first three chapters, the number seven appears repeatedly. If you look further into the book, there are seven seals, seven trumpets, seven visions of conflict. That's cosmic conflict, not war on Earth. Seven bowls. Seven words and seven visions of reality. Seven sets of seven scenes or images. And then lastly, there's an eighth scene, which itself is in seven parts. So what does seven stand for? And when it says seven trumpets, does that mean that heaven's orchestra is really small? So what about the number seven? Where do we first encounter seven in the Bible? Well, we find it in Genesis 1 and 2, where the Bible records God's conversation to Adam about the way he made the universe and this world, often referred to as the seven days of creation. But read more carefully there are six days of creating, six days of doing, because God rested on the seventh day. The seventh day was set aside for Adam and Eve to share the day with God without doing anything just being together together enjoying the world without having to be busy or do well from this we have a seven day week where one day is best set aside for us to meet with god the number seven is used to represent completeness wholeness goodness so when we see seven lampstands and jesus said these are the churches there are only seven as a number although there were actually more churches in existence at the time that this this book was written without all the churches in rome and 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 all the gatherings and communities in jerusalem and the whole of the area there so it's not that there were only seven physical churches in existence there were more than that but it's written to
0: seven And they're written, as it were, the seven represents the whole of the Church of God.
3: Revelation, chapter one, verses nine to twenty. Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. Their head on his hair was like white wool, as white as snow, Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches.
0: John is given this vision by Jesus
1: in order to write to the seven churches in Asia. And each letter was written in a particularly structured way. So first of all, we have who and the place that the letter was written to. So to the angel of the church at Ephesus or Smyrna and so on. The letter starts with repeating part of the description for Jesus that we've just looked at. For example, Ephesus starts with him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. Each letter says who it's from, not John, but from Jesus through John. Each letter then has a phrase, I know, followed by an observation or observations, plural, about that church. When we saw the lampstands, we saw Jesus walking amongst them. And Jesus is amongst his church and he knows what's going on. He doesn't seek to remove us from where we are, but he reassures us that he is with us and he sees and knows everything. Then there is a message of good points and bad points, a bit like a school report, you know, could do better, but it's not a school report. It's the word of Jesus to each church, pointing out strengths and weaknesses. Then there's a command to listen to the spirit. every, Every letter says, listen to the spirit. And Jesus communicates with us through his spirit. His spirit comes and makes Jesus real to us, points out our weaknesses and brings to mind biblical truth and conviction of sin, as well as guidance and comfort. And then lastly, there is a promise, a final promise that we hear from the Spirit to He who conquers. And it's always the same phrase, He who conquers. And in this case, it's not to Jesus who has conquered death, but to each one of us who conquers in our life. You see, we fight the good fight, but the fight is not against humanity or other people. It's against powers and principalities of darkness and evil in the spiritual realm. And where the spiritual realm crosses into and influences our physical world. The fight is within us. We have to overcome our fears, prejudices, habits, desires, and everything that pulls us away from God and seeks to turn us from good to evil. And the promise to those who conquer is eternal life. Each letter is based around the physical place of the church, it draws on the context of that church and its local society, and also how society has influenced the church. The letter uses ideas and images from the local area, for example. At Laodicea, Jesus says, I know what you're up to. You're neither cold nor hot. So what's that based on? Well, in this particular case at Laodicea, the town was on a river that was tepid in temperature and it was sickly to drink. It wasn't cold. where you could use the cold, clear water for drinking water, which there were cold springs in adjacent towns. And it wasn't a hot spring because there were hot springs as well in other towns in the area a hot spring that you could bathe in and jesus uses the characteristics of this tepid off tasting water in his letter and the people of the town would have known that because it's like saying to the to the people of london oh you you know you, the tower of london they all know it or, or, or whatever and jesus uses these characteristics and the images to make his point come
0: to the next slide please so let's look at these churches so smyrna
1: and these are the words of the first and the last who was dead and came to life so again you know one of those bits of the description that we read earlier now smyrna it has some good points it's it's suffers it's been suffering and and it's uh, been troubled and it's been persecuted and they're still doing very well now the city itself was very rich but they were, the church itself was persecuted and it lacked wealth in the sense that they were financially poor. They were almost on the breadline because they weren't liked by the community. So, but although they were financially poor, they were spiritually very rich. Now, they didn't have anything that was needed to be changed, but the, they were told to be faithful faithful to death and the promise was that he, they who conquered would not be harmed by the second death i.e they would inherit eternal life and overall it's be faithful and not fearful
0: next slide please pergamum these this church had been faithful
1: and they'd held fast they hadn't been dissuaded. They'd always honoured Jesus' names, even when it had been in adversity. There was very much a, a pressure to worship other gods, to go with the flow, to just be like everybody else in society, you know, just do what everybody else does, fit in and get on. But when that fitting in and getting on meant that they were being asked to eat meat offered to idols, because that's what society did. And they were being persuaded it didn't really matter and they could compromise their beliefs and their faith that's what they were being drawn to do and they were being led astray and their action for them was to repent and stay true to jesus king jesus's teaching and if they did so rather than having to eat meat offered to idols they would have the manna from god god's bread And they would also be given a new name and a name from the book of life. So this was all about following Jesus and not following the ways of the world. And in following the ways of the world, you'd get on. But in following Jesus, you might end up with hardship because you're not doing what other people in society wanted.
0: Next slide, please. Thyatira um they, Their good points was that
1: they were full of love and faith and, and service and patient endurance, but they were too were being lured into idol worship and sexual immorality. This was something that was going on in society, and everybody said, "Oh, there's no harm in it. You know what, what's the problem? You know everybody else does it. You you don't. It doesn't really matter because it didn't matter to them." And Jesus said, no, I don't want you to be like that. You've got my teachings and scripture. I want you to be faithful and true to your partners in life as well as to me. So his action is for those who are faithful, because not everybody went astray. Those who remain faithful to Jesus, hold on because Jesus is coming. And then the promise they were given was power over the nations. But this wasn't power, although when you read it, you might say, oh, it meant that they set in judgment on, on or they were rulers and kings and, and dispensing rules and laws. Fundamentally behind it, the power is to proclaim the gospel. And you, you find that out when you look at Tyre-Tyre's actual history, because they did remain faithful and they became a beacon of Christianity in Southern Asia for many, many years to come. In fact, it's for centuries to come um and and they were known as the great proclaimers of the gospel in in that part of the world and so the call for us is do not compromise your faith next slide sardis uh, they were hardworking. they were really at it you know you you'd open the doors. So i think their their list of things that they had on every week would have been extensive uh, uh you know there wasn't a minute in the day or night that they weren't doing something and they They were busy, 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 and they looked really alive. But that was a lot of doing. But they were spiritually, they were dead. And the call there was, wake up, repent. And for those who did, they would be given white garments, again, pictures. The name, their names would be in the book of life. And the call for those who are so busy but have forgotten the the spirit, it's be alive in jesus by the
0: spirit next slide please philadelphia this church was weak but it kept
1: the word of god and it never denied jesus when when pushed and persecuted and, and told to you know you, you you have to toe the line you have to worship caesar and all of this they said no 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 we are going to keep to the word of god and they they stood up for what they believed and again, they, they didn't have anything in the letter that said that they needed to change. But they were told to hold fast. Jesus is protecting you. And that they would become a pillar in the temple of God. And the pillars are actually were in the original temple built in Jerusalem. They were lined the hall of the, of the sanctuary, uh, as it were. They would be a citizen of heaven. And they're called, even though you're weak, to endure and trust God. Next slide, please. The final one of the churches, Laodicea, they were neither hot nor cold. I mentioned the springs earlier, but actually they were wretched, pitiable, poor and naked. And their way out was to buy gold from Jesus, to repent and let Jesus into their lives. And the promise was, that if they did that, they would sit on Jesus's throne with him on the throne in heaven. And the, the call to that church was to let Jesus into your life. So different churches, different ways of expressing their faith in Jesus. So the question this morning is, which one of these
0: churches do you feel describes you maybe one of them does maybe none of them do listen to the spirit what is he saying about your church and about yourself in these first few chapters of revelation we've seen multiple titles for jesus
1: we've seen his assessment of seven churches in southern turkey he spoke to each church as a whole and then to the individuals within them jesus is with us and he has overcome the world but we need to conquer all that's wrong in our lives Our destiny is to grow to be like Jesus and to be with him for eternity when he comes again. Today, Jesus speaks to us, to you and to me. We hear him speaking when the scriptures are read out. We need to examine ourselves and listen to the Holy Spirit. Which one of these churches describes where we
0: are at at the moment? As a church or as an individual?
4: God of heaven Living in me Gentle Saviour Closest friend Strong deliver Beginning and end All within me Falls at your throne Majesty
3: This podcast is adapted from recorded zoom services held by teambridge methodist circuit coastal section full videos can be viewed on their youtube channel music is taken from worship audio tracks all rights reserved